welcome to another episode of the Digiday Podcast. I'm Kaylee Barber, Senior Reporter with Digiday. And I'm Tim Peterson, Senior Media Editor at Digiday. Tim, today you chatted with Chuck Todd, who's the broadcast journalist and moderator of NBC's Meet the Press. And since he's got a pretty decent hand in covering political news and, and working in the political space, I'm curious if you guys got into the, like, the post-Trump era um, conversation on political journalism and how that's changed the types of reporting that can be done. I think a lot of a lot of publishers are are thinking about what the post-Trump coverage looks like for them yeah i think chuck like a lot of political journalists these days is uh breathing a a sigh of relief he seemed very at ease and i would imagine if we had had this conversation a year ago um he might have you know been a little wearier um than he was but yeah he, he talked about how you know, you're not having to worry about waking up in the middle of the night to a tweet that's just going to dominate that week's news cycle or completely scrap whatever plans they would have had for Meet the Press. And so they're able to be a bit more strategic with um, what they plan to cover on the show, as well as, I mean, he's also doing a newsletter, a podcast, um, they have a streaming show. So um, it's that it gives them a little bit more latitude with um, control over the coverage. Right. So I guess within that ability to be more strategical, I'm wondering how um, things like the streaming show for Meet the Press, how that might differ from the Meet the Press that has been around for a while that everyone knows and loves quite dearly. Um, how How is that kind of a complementary piece of the franchise? Yeah, with Meet the Press, instead of it just being roundtable discussion on that week's news, um, They're instead just going deep on a single topic in each weekly episode, which is interesting because it seems to be something of a trend with news outlets um, that have linear shows as well as, you know, now streaming shows where the linear shows can be very more traditional because they're linear shows. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas on the streaming shows, it seems like there's definitely been a gravitation towards going deep into specific topics and Meet the Press reports definitely seems to be part of that trend. What's going to be interesting is how that show evolves as, you know, they get more viewership information and they just started up their second season. So as they get more episodes out there and are able to see what the audiences are responding to. Awesome. Well, it sounds like it was an interesting interview. I'll let you take it away. Cool. Thanks, Kayla. Chuck Todd, welcome to the Digiday Podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. There's a lot for us that we can be talking about because Meet the Press, obviously, one of the longest running, if not the longest running show on television. You all are doing a lot also on streaming. I think you also have podcasts. You're doing a newsletter. But then there's also just the news in general and what the past year and a half has been like. And that's kind of where I want to start because I feel like that may also help to then segue into especially what you're doing on streaming. But how has covering the news this year changed and been different compared to last year, compared to the prior four years? I I would just say the entire, you know, even pre-COVID, Covering Trump was the, you know, pick your metaphor, the drinking out of the fire hose, right? Every, every second, it just, and you felt every day you were just sort of surf, you were just trying to keep your head above water, right? You were just trying not to get toppled. You were just trying to, um, uh, and, and it was, and you didn't have a lot of time to think, right? It was a lot of, I mean, I was discussing this this morning with my writing partner on, on First Read, our newsletter that you brought up. 
And we were both, you know, we, we'd come up with our lead that we decided to do today, yesterday. And, and we were just talking about, we've had actually had some luck in the last few months where we'll pre-pran a lead and we don't have to change it. And, you know, it, you know, Donald Trump at midnight wasn't saying crazy stuff about NATO, making us all think, geez, should we take this seriously or not? He is the president. Here we go. You know, and this sort of the, the, the sort of the, the, the knee jerk news cycle that we all just sort of got consumed by. Right. It was um, I think I think uh, civilians saw it and was like, oh, my God, what the hell is going to happen next? We in the news business are like, how the hell do we deal with all this? And we're all trying to sort of go as we fly. So I look and then COVID happens. Right. So then that upends um, how we make the news. Right. How we produce it. And all of a sudden. Um, and by the way, that is, I think now you want to talk about something that may have created changes for good and how we do the business that and we should we should talk about that. Like, you know, I have this great fear. Am I, am I ever going to have a guest that comes on set again? Right. Or are they going to say, hey, yeah, 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 don't worry, I'll wake up, put on a jacket and uh, uh, and uh, I'm available, you know, on Zoom. Um, so there, it's I think it's one of these things where and I, I am tempted to sometimes you use the sort of the war metaphor. And I don't want to do that because it, it, it this isn't war. war. You know, war is people not to say COVID wasn't um, certainly wasn't life threatening to many people, but just the last five years has just been one of these. It was, it was excruciating. It was exhausting. I think it's forever changed our business and we're still trying to figure it out. And Oh, by the way, this all happened at a time that the business was in the middle of a a seismic change anyway. And then we've got this, you know, challenge to our democracy and challenge to sort of our, our, the normal conventions of, 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 of journalism. So, you know, I always just say in a word, it's been exhausting. And, 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 and there is something, and I think we're all trying to take stock into what happened to, and figure out, okay, how do, you know, how do we do a better mousetrap, right? How do we do this now that we have a second to breathe now that we have a, and I'm saying this with no disrespect, a nine to five presidency, you know, a guy who respects the holiday weekends, a guy who respects the weekend, you know, um, I think it actually allows all of us to put more thought into our coverage, which hopefully will make a better mousetrap. Yeah. And how's that manifested with, I mean, Meet the Press, the weekly show, what you're doing on streaming, uh, what you're doing with the podcast? You mentioned, you know, how it's manifested in the newsletter. But I'm also curious, like, because I would think your audience also is looking for, okay, what just happened this past 18 months? What, where are things in the world right now? Well, you know, I would, I guess what I would say is that that is what drove, what initially drove my interest in doing the streaming show. Not, not just because, you know, I think we're in the, we're about to super fragment, right. And we know that the linear, linear television is, is certainly going to be a presence, but maybe smaller and smaller. Um, There was no doubt we were headed there, but there was something about the Trump news cycle where you were constantly having to unpack what the hell just happened that you didn't have a chance to sort of do a deeper dive into, you know, uh, like our looking at to sit here and plug what we just did, but yeah, I'm going to plug what we just did. Uh, you know, I look at a piece we did this week on meet the press reports, which is sort of, is America ready for the next war? Now you could argue, why don't you do that on your Sunday show? And I'm like, I'd love to, but the Sunday show, I feel almost, a, a, you make a, you know, the viewers want to, you know, 
it, it made, I think it helped all the Sunday shows be more relevant in, in many, in many people's lives, because I think you had what you just, the way, what I think was implied in your question, which was, it feels as if we had to spend a lot of time sort of telling our viewers, Hey, this mattered. This didn't this week. And there was this, can you help make sense of it? And I, I, I viewed my job in the Trump era as sort of trying to, um, trying to unpack what happened and trying to say, okay, focus on this, not on that, right? This was the shiny metal object stuff. This was the stuff that that is more important to be focusing on. So in many ways, that drove then all of our interest in going, well, wait a minute, we're not covering um, voting rights well enough. We're not covering climate change well enough. We're not covering, and it's not as if we didn't have a desire to do it. We're just running out of, of linear TV bandwidth. So in that sense, that's what drives you know, our podcast serials or drives the interest in doing these. And I think we're not alone. And I think that in that sense, that that, that the being trapped by the Trump news cycle, which in many ways, I think many, particularly the daily, particularly my daily news show, right, where you're just sort of, and I say it, you know, it's so it was so intense that you really, for the viewer's sake, because of the way you put it, it's like, I've always thought our job is to help. I always felt my job at Meet the Press is to help explain why uh, more than any other word. Now tell you what's happening. I figure a person that tunes into Meet the Press already know what's happened. They want to know why it happened. And so we just had to spend a lot of time explaining that. And I think it left a real intellectual gap for all of us. And so I think that's what has driven you know, a lot of us to say, hey, let's take advantage of these platforms so that we can um, we can and cover more things. You know, we don't we no longer have a real estate problem. Right in 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 the world of media, um, we may have a, a a GPS problem getting people to our real to our lo- new locations, you know, to go watch things. And so, I think it just it, it, that's one of those things. You, you we we kind of felt like we needed to scratch these itches, um, and it and I think it drove the innovation. You mentioned Meet the Press reports, which is the weekly show that's on NBC News now the streaming network that's on YouTube and it's connected to and, and and then and it's then and then it's on, on Peacock. Peacock yeah obviously yeah. on Peacock with that so Peacock was announced and if I'm remembering correctly January 2020 when did meet the press reports when did you all start developing that idea well it's interesting i was um i remember I w- we were a part of the initial announcement and we were the first you know and we were the first um, thing that they wanted from news because they knew I sort of wanted to do something. What the something was hadn't fully been fleshed out. So we were on, on one hand, we were part of the initial, if you look, we were part of the initial, like, Hey, we're going to be doing programming. So we were, but it was, we, we, we started last um, in the, in the fall of 2020 was our first season, if you will. And that, and that's what the way we look at it. We, we want to sort of see this more episodically, you know, hopefully doing anywhere from, you know, having essentially a, a spring and a fall um, is, is how we're, uh, I think is how we're looking at this. Why is that? But it was um, because you can't just do them in a week. You know, I mean, I just, you know, I think, um, you know, we're, we're doing mag, these are magazine style pieces. Um, it, it, you know, these are, and right now I don't have, you know, our staff only has so much bandwidth. I do think where we're headed is that I think, over time, we're going to get more resources and our ability to go from maybe 16 episodes a year to 24 to, you know, but I don't want to, you know, I, I we, we want to do as much as we can and still keep a level of quality, obviously. So I think 
in that sense, that's why we think that this is the sweet spot for now. And then as I think, as we go, we'll keep going, but, um, it, this feels like the right. And I, again, as we get the ability to, 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 I think, get more staff, because again, these are, these are not just weekly shows that we're putting together. You know, they're people that are out in the field for weeks at a time. And sometimes our correspondents are working on this. They have their daily news beat, you know, take a Courtney Kuby who did a, who did our lead story. And yet this was sort of, you know, something she also was doing, you know, months. So there's, yeah, we're we're all like I said. You guys probably understand this as well as anyway. You do as much as you can with sometimes as little as little resources as you know. It's as few resources as you have available to yourself. Yeah, you got to work as smart as possible. And what you all are doing, I mean, each episode in a way is kind of like a documentary because you're, what you're doing with this show is it's a half hour show, but it's one topic that's focused on in each episode. Was that always the plan or was there a consideration and maybe 2020 informed that being the strategy? So I've, you know, it's funny, I guess I would call it a hybrid between a, sh- a, do- a short doc and a, um, and a magazine, okay. you know, I, I've, I've always the, the, you know, what I think in my head is real sports, the Brian Gumble show, uh, you know, you know, sort of meet 60 minutes, right. You know, there's, it's re- a reported piece, um, but then we do what I always liked. What real sports does is after their reported piece, they unpack it, right? They tell you a little bit more, and that's you know we're trying to do that. You sort of lay it out and then and then unpack it a little bit. So it's a you know it's it's a hybrid. You know, a document short meets a magazine piece um, with the familiarity of the meet the press Q and A, right? And so that's where we are. I look. I I also we are going to get into the documentary business. We've gotten into it as, as being a host of it um, with our film festival that we, we host every year for documentary shorts. Um, the plan for me, for me, my plan all along has been, I wanted to learn this business and start to be both a producer, you know, be a place that, that get filmmakers say, Hey, I have this idea. You guys have some resources. What do you guys think? Like I want us to be in the production business but I also want us to be in the, in the creative uh, part of this too. And so in fact, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're on the verge of working on something. I'm not going to, you know, but, but that I, that feels very, you know, that tries to sort of, you know, I feel like the topics that make the most sense for us to get into documentaries are things that, that um, where Washington, where, where Washington has to help solve a problem that, America is dealing with, right? Whether it's on big tech or whether it's on immigration, but sort of that, those are the type of stories that we're, we're looking at to sort of flesh out. Can you help me understand that one? Cause maybe this is just me being ignorant, but I feel like that's Washington's job is to try to solve as many of America's problems <laughs> as it can. Yeah. But you, you, that's a functional Washington, right? I think you're asking me what happened to what happened to functional Washington. I mean, that, you know, this is, we could, that that to me is a whole separate. Maybe there's a documentary in that. Is you know when was the last time Washington worked? Um, uh, you know, might be it might be an interesting um, tease into trying to unpack what happened. I've got plenty of theories on that, but we have you know we have one political party that is not interested in governing at all. Right? There's not to say there are people that are members of that party that want to govern. I'm not. You know, I think we've learned that. I mean, there are. 10 to 15 Republican senators that are looking to figure out, hey, how can we work together? Um, but the party as a whole and the leadership of the party does does not. And there's no and frankly, there's no incentive for them to govern. 
their voters haven't punished them for not participating in the in the in the process. So, you know, that that to me is one reason why we're in this sort of asymmetrical um, dysfunction here in Washington. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, and we will be right back. So with Meet the Press reports, what do you see as the relationship between Meet the Press reports and then Meet the Press the show? Like, is it something where you touch on topics in the linear show and then like that sparks ideas for Meet the Press reports or you have something in the works for Meet the Press reports and you figure out, okay, what are ways in which we can tangentially incorporate this into the Sunday show? Not to be totally glib, but yes, to both of your questions, meaning, you know, I I used to joke that if Meet the Press for 90 minutes, you know, the the 30 minute, you know, the the, the 30 minute Meet the Press report show might be our, our, our last 30 minutes might be that sort of deep dive. You know, look, part of this is viewer driven. And I say this, that that I think, you know, the Sunday show viewer um, in general, I think, uh, wants more about what's happening in Washington now, right? I think that it's possible you could have argued 20 or 30 years ago that there was more leeway to do the sort of to, to do more 60,000 foot looks at bigger topics and bigger issues because there wasn't a sense that the that the news cycle was moving so quickly, right? And that the issues were moving so fast. And I think that 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 is also, I think, what's led to this in my head, which is we've got only so much bandwidth on the Sunday show. I think that we have um we have the ability to do more intellectually. We have the ability to 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 have more depth and breadth. So let's let's go in this direction. And, and look, I just view it as where we're headed as a business, and where we're headed as a you know we're you know it's funny to watch what's happening here at NBC because I've been watching it. It first started on the entertainment side, and we've been slowly shifting from a company that is divided that is div- divided up by platform, right? You have a radio division, an internet, a dig- you know, digital uh, broadcast, cable, to more content and brands, right? First, they started, you know, it, it, you know, when Peacock consolidated everything, they, they don't have someone separate trying to find TV shows for the broadcast and then TV shows for Peacock, right? It's the same, hey, we've got all these platforms, but it's one, it's one entity that's, dis, you know, that's um, looking at or, or creating um, pilots and things like that. Well, we're starting to, now we're, the news division is, is, is now moving in that direction, right? You have today's show is more, it's platform, you know, they're all over the place, right? They got a serious channel. They got the their Peacock channel. They've got what they're doing on broadcast today, all day, all that business. They now view, look at what we're doing with Dateline. Look at what we're doing now with Meet the Press. Um, you see that with, with Knightley and Lester. And I think you'll see that even more with NBC News now. CNBC has its sort of more, you know, and ditto with MSNBC, which is more than just the cable channel. It's got the choice and it's got that. So, and I don't think we're going to be alone. I think it's pretty obvious that if you get caught up in a platform, you're going to get lost, right? And if your brand, we think the Meet the Press brand is strong. I believe it has sort of long-term credibility. Um, and why shouldn't, you know, it? it isn't just a Sunday show. Don't view it as it's more of a, oh, this is going to be from the Meet the Press perspective. And I know what I get from Meet the Press, whether it's how they do, how they do a Sunday show, how they conduct interviews, how they do documentaries, how they... Um, analyze political uh, campaigns. So that's sort of how I, I, I view of what we are. And then sort of, to me, how this fits into where the where the landscape is shifting. And do you feel a 
like newer challenge to communicate like what it is people would look to meet the press for what the meet what meet the press represents because 1947 when meet the press first premiered it was right. the era of the three broadcast networks meet the press it was also a radio show first okay by the so way there we go yeah so yeah i mean it just only strengthening your point look i i guess i look at it this way i can't expect people to find meet the press right i gotta go to them um so and I think it, 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 you know, I can't just assume that everybody knows sort of, you know, is there was always been an awareness up to a point of what Meet the Press was, what it stood for. In many ways, we've been the, I always joke, we're the Kleenex of Sunday shows. Mm. Another Sunday show could do something that people don't like and they blame Meet the Press. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times that's happened. I remember when I first on somebody said, why do you always have Lindsey Graham on? I said, I haven't had him on two years. I think you think he was, a, you know, it was sort of, and I, and I always took it as a compliment. We were, we were first, so we're Kleenex. Right. People very Kleenex is not, you know, it's a t- facial tissue. Right. right? So um, it, it, it it's sort of in, in that. But I, I don't think we live in that world anymore. Right. You know, my daughter, 17, um, I don't think would be aware of the Sunday show without me. And it's, but but does come across it now on her various platforms or her social platforms. So that that's another, I think, aspect of it is that is that I got to I guess it's. I remember reading a biography of Coca-Cola and they used, they had hire a scientist whose job was to make sure you change the recipe of Coke in any, you know, based on the, whatever water supply you had in said country. But the goal was to make sure Coke tasted the same wherever you went around the world, you know, even though they had to slightly alter the recipe, depending on what the pH levels were in the water, et cetera. Well, you know, I think our job is to make sure sort of meet the press. There's a meet the press sensibility to how we cover things and that that has to feel the same, whether it's through the prism of a documentary, a podcast uh, or the Sunday show. And does that sensibility have to evolve, though, because generations may have different perspectives on this? We've been covering a lot around, you know, lately around the idea of journalistic objectivity, but then also just everything that went, went on recently with Emily Wilder and the AP. And, you know, the idea was uh, Sarah Guaglione, our publishing reporter, talked to people inside newsrooms who were just making the case journalistic objectivity for a younger generation of journalists isn't the same as it was for journalists who have been around for decades at this point. And that and they also made the case, well, audiences also expect journalists to have kind of a stake in these things, that they aren't just going to be automatons in a way. Look, I, I here's the thing. I think everybody has their own definition of when you think you've crossed the line or not, right? And and what you and I, I the word objectivity is in itself subjective, right? Because it, you know, um, if someone, you know, I objectively think this. Well, someone could say, no, you're a, you're biased, you know. Um, so I, I, but I take your point here. I know exactly what what you mean. I don't. I don't believe I should tell people um, whether I think this infrastructure bill is good or not. Um, at the same time, I just came off the set and said, hey, democracy had a near-death experience. Look at everything we learned from December 14th to January 6th. Uh, I believe I'm saying something that's factual. Somebody else would take that same statement and say, you're being, you're not being objective. Right? So that's why it's like, I, it, it is, I take your point and I think, but I don't, I don't think that's as easy to define. 
Oh, you know, I think there's no, right. There's no doubt there's a generational split in newsrooms. Okay. There's, there is a hundred percent. There's no doubt there is on this. Um, I do think what it really comes down to is as long as you're, to me, as long as the journalist is honest with their readers slash viewers, that you know up front where they're coming from, the perspective they're coming from, then I don't, you know, I don't, you know, it's why it, there are some that are like, look, I'm, I'm an advocate. I'm fighting for X. This is what I do. I don't think it should mean that they're the facts that they're surfacing are somehow in dispute. Now, maybe their, their analysis, you may disagree with. So, you know, I, I think that's the, that's the, that's the vagueness. That's the area I'm looking to just stay in. But look, I think there are times where, you know, I, there are lines you should draw on the sand, right? I don't think my viewers should be gaslit. I think it is my job to protect them from being gaslighted, right? So in that sense, there, you know, it's, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, I am going to be pro-democracy. Does that make me objective or not objective, right? I mean, you know, I, but being pro-democracy doesn't mean you always have to be pro-government, right? And I do think that, you know, what, you know, I thought it was interesting what Joe Biden said the other day when he went, he was upset about a, the wording of a question that he got. He goes, you guys always have to be so negative, but there is some truth to that, right? Like I believe in devil's advocate questioning, right? Unfortunately, today's social media environment doesn't un- respect that nuance. So honestly, why I prefer the podcast format more than any other these days for conversations like this, because, you know, it's much harder for an aggregator to, to take you out of context. And, and it, you know, and there, and there is, it's much easier for us to sort of, you know, try to find these sort of even that a print interview couldn't capture, you know, um, and frankly, you make, you put it on video and then people, you know, there, people get a little, get their back straighter sometimes when, when there's video on and they might not say, cause they're all worried it's going to show up in some viral this or viral that. So, um, it is why I prefer having these conversations this way. And it does feel like, and, and maybe this is just me being an optimist today because I was able to go surfing this morning and so I'm feeling good at the moment. You're but, in a good mood. Yeah. What you're saying is you're in a good mood. You're like, hey, life's pretty good. But, but it feels like there is something of a return to context going on right now. Because uh, you know, a couple months ago, I talked to a bunch of, around the 100-day anniversary, I talked to a lot of political editors and editors-in-chiefs at newsrooms. And they were saying, the breath of fresh air and everything you were saying at the you know top, but that also there's more of an opportunity for them to do enterprise reporting, to do original journalism, to do exactly what you all are doing with Meet the Press reports. And so I'm curious with the second season of Meet the Press reports, which I believe uh, debuted in April, like to what how, to what extent it's different than the first season? Well, the first season was all a reaction to the campaign and the and the democracy. All right. So it was very it, it's hard not to look at what we did in the first season and not see the it was very reactive to the current moment in time, as it frankly should have been. You know, it was something that I felt sometimes a bit constrained about what the beauty of this season, as I felt much, much less constrained by the current news environment. So, again, I go back to um, what does America's next war look like or the issue of, hey, millennials are about to replace the baby boomers as the largest voting block. What does that really mean going forward? And, and, you know, that there's a lot more. We did a whole thing on sort of millennial politics or we did um, activate, you know, the sort of the, 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 the activism movement among athletes and how it's now embraced, 
you know, it's just allowed for us to sort of, um, you know, I look at, you know, culture is so dragged into our politics now. And I actually think we're in a good place to sort of explain why that is and, and, and help showcase where is that good, where, and let you decide where that's a good thing and where that's, you know, where maybe some people think it goes too far. Um, but I think that that's what I would argue the second season has given us is that I don't feel so trapped by Trump and democracy. Who's the core audience for Meet the Press Reports? And how does that compare contrast to the linear show? Look, I want it to be the less, poli- I, I look at it as I'm, I'm hoping the politically engaged find it interesting, but I'm trying to talk to people that don't normally check into Washington, that don't normally check into Sunday shows, that maybe don't, you know, that maybe have been turned off by politics and maybe think one thing about what we do and how we cover and try to, you know, uh, and, and try to retouch people. I mean, that's, you know, that's, I think we're all, I think I'm always worried that our bubbles are shrinking, right? I'm worried that, you know, there is now a whole generation of political operatives on the right who were raised, you know, it used to be saying the media was biased, was just simply a campaign tactic. Mm. And literally you'd have operatives say, you know, you know, I'm just saying that like Trump would say to me all the time, I'm good for your ratings, right? You know, this, da, 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 right. Now you have a whole generation of political operatives that believe this. They believe that those of us in mainstream media somehow work for the democratic party, you know, or, or somehow are in you know, trying to undermine everything they're doing. And so th- there's a hostility that, that comes with, um, comes with the relationship. And I, I just think that it, you know, so then what, what you see is it becomes self-fulfilling. Um, you know, we, we, there's this debate, oh, who should you have on the show? Well, there's a whole bunch of people like, no, I'm not going to talk to any other audience, but, but the audience that cheers me on, right. That's a, that's a bad thing for, an, for, for us to go if our elected officials aren't going to expose themselves beyond their, their core supporters. So, you know, my hope is, to penetrate some of these bubbles in different ways. And if I hit them on a podcast, great. If I hit them um, with the meet the press reports and they realize what you just noted that we're all trying to do is, Oh, these guys are much more serious about this. They are context driven. Maybe I shouldn't believe all that claptrap that they say, you know, that maybe it is a bit, maybe the whole reason that the right wing is going after media all the time is they're just trying to get me not to, to watch them instead of watching you guys, you know, it, it, you know, it's just, another place to hopefully pierce a bubble. Do you find like the the streaming audience, the audience for Meet the Press Reports has a different appetite or different lens on some of these issues? I don't know yet. Okay. You know, I mean, I, look, it, you know, I think we're, can Netflix answer these questions yet or will they? Do you know right. what I mean? Like, I feel like we're all still, I think we're all still learning who's who's on streaming. We know it's younger. We know that once people are in, they can get lost in these apps in a good way. But I think this is still part of the learning experience. You know, I tell you this, I worry that all of uh, that, a lot of the news media is too worried about catering to viewers mm-hmm. and catering to readers. And I think that's what's gotten us into this a little bit of a slippery slope where, where you have folks wanting to virtue signal to an audience in order to keep an audience rather than say, okay. Hey, uh, if you're doing your job right, the audience will eventually get there. Maybe we should judge this more on the merits than whether it's popular or not. Look, there's a fine line. We're a business. I'm not going to sit here and say we're not. We're, I would say, um, you know, can be judged by numbers, but also judged on on editorial. I I hope I'm judged more in editorial and in, in, in context than I am on the numbers. 
So that's why I'm a little hesitant to want to know too much. I obviously want to know if something, you know, hey, there's no, in, don't do the military on, on streaming because there's just no interest in it. All right. That's probably something to learn, right? My guess is it's going to be the exact opposite, right? I have a feeling that there's always been, you know, when you do things on war, um, there's always an audience for people are are, are interested in that. Um, millennials, that's a thing that a lot of people want to want to understand better if they're not a millennial or a lot of millennials want to say, let's see what these guys <laughs> exactly. think about us. Right. You know, um, but but, I t- you know, that's something I think we're all learning, but I'm not going to pretend that we know yet. And I don't think any of us could, whether of what it is that works in streaming that wouldn't work in linear or vice versa. Are you getting viewership reports for the streaming show? Uh, I don't have them yet. Um, and you know, I think we're, we're all anxiously awaiting it a little bit. It's like, it's both like, you know, like, Oh, let's see, you know, <laughs> it's like, do you want to know? Do you not want to know? Right. Yeah. Cause I feel like it would be helpful, especially like, because course, you all are investing so much time and resources. I, I will tell you this, they want more, you know, I'm guessing it's doing pretty well. I know they want more news content. There's more of a demand for news content. That's something we have learned from our friends at Peacock. But I don't, you're asking me for some granularity that I don't know. Okay. About. How do you think about the time sensitivity of the stories you cover for Meet the Press Reports, you and the team cover for Meet the Press Reports? Because with news, inherently there is a time sensitivity, but with a service like Peacock, a lot of things on there can be evergreen. And there's also, I think, a large benefit to having things that are evergreen because then it helps from a library perspective. And now we're getting into the kind of the the craven business of it all. So that's, I think, been our hardest challenge. Um, You know, I constantly am saying, hey guys, we've got to, you know, is this show interesting six months from now? Right. That's sort of, I, I will, I, I think that's something we're trying to figure out. I think I want the shelf life to be at least a year. I can't, you can't expect it to last five years, right? You, I, I'm not going to sit here and expect that. Um, in fact, I don't know about you, but if you ever re-binge sitcoms, you start to realize, oh, whoa, that's dated suddenly. Everything's dated. I mean, I, I'm a, a, I'm a, I'm a Sunny junkie, okay. you know, so I'll watch, I'll rewatch Sunny every now and then. And, and, you know, they used to be very ahead of the curve. You, or at least, so you thought, and then it's striking how culturally behind they can come <laughs> yeah. across. And I know they don't want to be right. When you know, those guys that put the that, that team that puts that show together, but it struck me the other night, rewatching one of their, what I thought was a fairly recent season. You're like, Whoa, I don't know how FX would have defended that one uh, in this climate, but um I do think figuring out what is that sweet spot of relevancy. I, I think it's, you know, right now I'd like, you know, I want to feel as if um, somebody that it's at least uh, six months relevant. And I think the you know, in our mind, we should hope it's still interesting within a year. Okay. So maybe six months or a year, we'll bring you back yeah. on and revisit this conversation, see what you've <laughs> learned. But Chuck Todd, really appreciate you coming on the show. This is great. Hey man, Tim, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Digiday Podcast. Please don't forget to share this episode with someone who you think would enjoy it. You can even rate us on Apple Podcasts if you like. We'll be back next week with another episode.